0: Welcome to the sixth episode of Cuttings from the Garden of English, A White Elephant. English is full of idioms, expressions that have an agreed meaning, although you would be hard-pressed to guess that meaning from the individual words. We use them all the time, usually with little consciousness of the gap between the meaning and the elements of the term. If I'm over the moon, I'm not thinking of celestial bodies. If you're beating about the bush, there's no shrubbery in sight. We're going to look at some idioms and expressions to do with colour that have a tale to tell. The word colour came into English from French after the Norman Conquest, overshadowing Old English hue and obliterating bleo. The spelling of colour with a U was the more common one in Middle English but was later corrected by the do-gooders-come-intellectual snobs mentioned in episode 4 to be more in line with the original Latin from which the French derived, colour with no u, which the US adopted in their attempts both to simplify English spelling and assert national pride. Where it concerns skin colour and ethnicity, colour and coloured have become very offensive racist terms because of their history as slurs. But in many other areas, the word colour has positive connotations in English. You wouldn't want to be described as colourless, as totally uninteresting, lacking in personality. You'd probably rather be a colourful character, a little unusual, multifaceted, leading an eventful life, even if there may be a whiff of scandal about you. And if some fact lends colour to your argument, it gives credence to it. You want to have colour in your cheeks, to look healthy and happy. And local colour is what makes a place individual, interesting. Mind you, if you are known for your colourful language, language, this may be a euphemistic description of your constant swearing rather than praise of your lively vocabulary. And a highly coloured account of an event is either exaggerated or biased. Off-colour comments are worse, crude and offensive. However, if you are off-colour, feeling rather queasy and ill, it is hopefully only a temporary condition. When a comment or action by a friend reveals her true colours, you may see her real character, perhaps for the first time, and often not an admirable one. This idiom has a naval origin, when pirate ships flew under false colours, identifying flags were called colours, in order to get close enough for a successful attack. Such deception was even a legitimate ruse in warfare, although the rules required the hoisting of a ship's true colours before a shot was fired. To nail one's colours to the mast is to refuse to admit defeat. Even if the masts of a ship had been disabled, preventing all manoeuvrability, the nailing of the ship's flag to the remnants expressed a determination to fight to the death, never to strike the flag, meaning lower it, as a sign of surrender. You'll have been very successful if you pass your exam with flying colours, an idiom also derived from this time well before electronic communication a ship returning towards port, signalled with its flags either flying or struck, depending on the success or failure of its mission. What of the white elephant in the title of this episode? Technically, of course, white is not a colour nor black, but we're going outside the rainbow here, if not over it. The first meaning of white elephant is any burdensome, expensive and useless possession, much more trouble than it's worth. More commonly nowadays, it applies to second-hand bric-a-brac. The origins of the phrase come from Siam, the old name for Thailand. French uses the same idiom. However, idioms, the Greek root idios means particular to oneself, do not always translate word for word even across related languages. For example, we talk about a bull in a china shop, but the French and Russians about an elephant. We talk about being in the black when our funds are in credit, but the Portuguese are in the blue. But back to Siam. White, or very pale elephants, were so highly prized that when one was discovered, it immediately became the possession of the king. White elephants, however, were practically useless, As they were deemed to be sacred, they weren't allowed to be worked, and they required expensive special food and housing. Therefore, the cunning kings of Siam, as the story goes, used to give white elephants away to anyone who displeased them, so that the owners would be forced to spend a fortune keeping the precious animals. The unfortunate recipient of a white elephant would be unable to get rid of the king's gift and so the upkeep could lead to financial ruin. White and black have an ages-old metaphorical link in many cultures with good and evil, light and darkness, totally void of racist overtones. The cowboys in white hats in the Western films of my childhood were clearly the good guys, For my children, it was Luke Skywalker in white versus Darth Vader in black. Today, white hats and black hats are more likely hackers, their colour according to their motivation. In this context, whitewashing is an attempted character makeover, a glossing over of bad behaviour, even a falsifying of facts to enhance a reputation, commonly in the case of political figures. More recently, it is also used in the context of writing history from the white perspective only, as if other races barely existed. Similarly, a whited sepulchre, literally a whitewashed tomb, is an idiom used in the New Testament for a hypocrite, outwardly holy and virtuous, but rotten within, an appropriate term for a pedophile priest. On the other hand, there are clear racist overtones in the once common expression in the southern US to praise someone's fair-mindedness with the compliment that's mighty wide of you, with its premise that a black man was a cheating scoundrel. The negative connotations of black are there in many common idioms. Black Saturday, a traffic black spot, a black look, a black mark against your name. To be in someone's black books, blacklisted, a black sheep. To blackball someone is to vote to exclude them from your club, originally by putting an actual black ball in the ballot box. More neutral is an aeroplane's black box, which records all flight information. It is actually fluorescent orange in colour to aid discovery, as it is extremely useful to crash investigators. The term probably derives from British non-reflective black boxes on aircraft in World War II, carrying secret navigational data. The odd positive connotation for black can be found. In the fashion world, black was once regarded as the most stylish colour. Subsequent popular colours were then called the new black. The term has widened to include anything trendy, from pomegranates to books on well-being. Red is the colour of fire and blood, and is associated with energy, war, courage, danger, strength, anger, desire, love. It is the colour most common in national flags. We red flag something dangerous, either literally, as on a surf beach, or figuratively by bringing attention to an issue that needs urgent discussion. Red carpet treatment makes us think of movie stars, of royalty, of world political leaders. The origin of this idiom may come from ancient Greece, when Clytemnestra laid out a path of red tapestries ostensibly to welcome home her husband, King Agamemnon, from the long Trojan Wars, He was at first reluctant to step on them, claiming he was a mortal, not a god. His fears were justified as he was soon after murdered in his bath by his wife and her lover as retribution for his sacrifice of their daughter Iphigenia to ensure favourable winds for the Greek fleet setting out for Troy. A red herring is a piece of information or a comment, often deliberate, which distracts from a line of inquiry or a topic under discussion. Most accounts of its etymology concern hunting. The pungent smell of the smoked herring was used either to distract hounds from their quarry or in training puppies to focus on the desired scent. In medieval Japan, yellow symbolized courage. But negative associations of yellow tended to dominate in medieval Europe as it became the colour of envy, jealousy, lying, dishonour, treason. Executioners were often portrayed dressed in yellow. Lunatic asylums were painted yellow in Central European countries. Traitors might have their doors daubed in yellow. In art, Judas often wore a yellow robe. And Jews were sometimes made to wear a yellow cloth insignia, perhaps a symbol of their perceived betrayal of Jesus. The yellow star that the Nazis forced Jews to wear has its origin in this latter medieval practice. And this dubious reputation of yellow has endured in several idioms. A coward might be described simply as yellow, as having a yellow streak, as being yellow-bellied, A thoroughly contemptible person is a yellow dog. The yellow peril is a racist term dating from the late 19th century, reflecting the long-held fear of Asian domination of the Western world. Yellow journalism and yellow press are pejorative American terms for sensational journalism. Green is often associated with youth and inexperience, gullibility, You might describe someone new to a situation as green. And so, in Shakespeare's play, Cleopatra speaks dismissively of her affair with Julius Caesar in her youth, my salad days when I was green in judgment. More recently, green is the colour associated with good environmental practice. A little ironical in view of the deadly arsenic compounds in certain green pigments hugely popular in paint, dyes and wallpaper in the 18th and 19th centuries. It is hypothesised that they may have contributed to the death of Napoleon. A corporation is keen today to talk about its green credentials. In this context, greenwashing refers to misleading or unsubstantiated claims about the environmental benefits of a product or practice. In Shakespeare, jealousy is the green-eyed monster that devours Othello. You might be green with envy at a friend's success. In classical Greek and Roman literature too, envy and jealousy turn the sufferer green, possibly because it was thought these emotions were caused by an excess of bile, a greenish-yellow substance produced in the liver. Because blue has long been associated with harmony, it was chosen for the flags of the United Nations and the European Union. A blue blood is a person of aristocratic descent. It is a translation of the same words in Spanish. During the 800-year Moorish occupation of Spain, the veins beneath the pale skin of the Spanish aristocrats especially in unexposed areas like the inside of the wrist, made their blood look bluer than that of the dark-skinned invaders or any intermarried locals. Once in a blue moon is hardly ever. In astronomical terms, the phenomenon occurs seven times in every 19 years, the last in November 21. It has nothing to do with colour, but refers to an extra full moon in a year, 13 instead of the normal 12. The label Blue Moon is given to the third full moon in a season of four instead of the usual three full moons, enabling the naming of the seasons to be kept consistent. Why blue is something of a mystery. The Blue Rinse Set or Blue Rinse Brigade is a rather derogatory and now old-fashioned term for elderly grey-haired women whose use of excess blue hair rinse to remove any yellowish tones could lead to alarmingly blue or purplish tones. Australia's comic figure Edna Everidge is the outlandish stereotype. True blue derives from British English usage, recorded from the 17th century and meaning faithful, staunch, unwavering in one's commitments or principles, extremely loyal. True blue is thought to derive from the blue cloth that was made at Coventry, England in the late Middle Ages. The town's dyers had a reputation for producing material that didn't fade with washing. It remained colourfast or true. Later, True blue came to mean staunchly conservative in a political sense, a Tory supporter. In Australia, true blue expressed the opposite political ideal, in the 1890s meaning loyal to workers and union values. This sense is overtaken in the last decades of the 20th century by a more general use of true blue to refer to something or someone that expresses Australian values, or is very genuine or loyal. And if Aussies are having a fight or an argument, they're having a blue. If they make a blue, they make a mistake. Our favourite cattle dog is a bluey, as is the swag of possessions carried by an itinerant worker in the bush when he is said to be waltzing Matilda, so-called because the outer covering of the swag was traditionally a blue blanket. Perhaps the oddest Australian use of bluey, first heard over a hundred years ago, is to describe a red headed person. This same kind of jocular irony is there in calling a tall man Shorty or Robin Hood's seven foot tall companion Little John. Finally, a digression on a fascinating discovery I have only recently made about our iconic song Waltzing Matilda. It originated with 19th century German immigrants. Waltzing is from the German term Auf der Walz, literally on the waltz, in in reference to an apprentice being on the road while learning a trade, sleeping wherever he could. Matilda has German origins too, and means mighty battle maiden. It was a name given to female camp followers during the Thirty Years' War in Europe. Evolving to mean something that kept them warm at night, and later to mean the great army coats or blankets soldiers wrapped themselves in, which were rolled into a swag and carried behind their shoulders while marching. Colour Me Curious